Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. So we're going to do this. And of course, I wouldn't be able to get up here and speak had it not been for my wife, my beautiful wife, Derry Vet, infusing boldness. Jim and Renee, thank you so much for coming. We love you guys. I so love what you guys are doing in, my, in the fatherland. Uh, it was tough, you know, coming from uh, me being born and raised in New York and having to go to DR and with no air conditioning. <laughs> I was whining like a little girl. And Jim's like, I- I'm from Minnesota. Toughen up. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm so happy to have my beautiful daughter, Crystal, here. Go ahead and wave, everybody. Go ahead, wave, wave. So it's good to have her here. Amen. I was trying to figure out with the flow of the spirit how this message was going to fit today. Because I was like, man, just let Janice, just give Janice the mic. Let her just keep going. <laughs> I'm serious. And I was trying to figure it out. But she, she wrapped it up with David versus Goliath. And when you think about that, how did David kill Goliath? He reached into a brook and grabbed five Whoa. smooth stones. Wow. So we're going to talk about those five smooth stones. So we're right in the spirit as to what God is wanting us to do here. My text is Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And oh, I, since he's walking down the aisle, I got to thank the Caratinis, my very best friends. Always supporting me and correcting me whenever I'm wrong. Appreciate you. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. I was uh, born and raised in New York City. My mother dragged me to church by the ear, didn't want to go. She went to the Spanish Pentecostal churches, and uh, that's a lot of fun. (laughs) And then uh, she started going to an Assemblies of God church, uh, just one one step above that, maybe, maybe. And uh, I was invited to go to a youth retreat, and I got saved at the age of 17 on this youth retreat. And I turned down a scholarship, and all I wanted to do was just learn about God and the pastor of the church, uh, had met another minister in Alabama at a conference and heard from the Lord that he was to send his three J's, and it was me, James, and Jason to Bible College over in San Antonio, Texas. And that's all I wanted to do was just learn about the word of God. So I leave the Bronx and I go over to San Antonio, which is a very large city, but in, in my experience, it was just a wee little town and uh, no subways, no train, no trains, no, the bu- they had buses, but they came like every three hours. So that was a joke. So I found myself stuck on campus and I actually went to a period of depression because I was just so like, what am I doing here? And then I, it dawned on me, I'm here to learn about the word of God. So what I began to do is after school, just open up the Bible and begin to read the Bible from cover to cover. And that's what I did, just began to consume myself uh, forcibly because there was nothing else I could do. Uh, this is no internet, there's no cable TV, uh, they had like a TV in a dorm in, the, in like the, the common area with rabbit ears, with no channels, so we were just cut off from everything. And so during that time, I began to read the Bible, I started in Genesis, so let me just start from the beginning, went all the way through the Old Testament, started with Matthew, started going through the New Testament, and when I got to the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, I came across this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, but to each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. And in verse 11, he begins to listen, describe those gifts. 
It says that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, I don't know why this leaped out of, this, of the book to me, but there was something about this passage that leaped out, and it, it just arrested me, and it captured my attention. And then when I got to verse 12, it, it defined the purpose for which the fivefold ministry was given. It says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so edification and equipping, those are the two main purposes of each of the fivefold ministries. Now, edify means to build up, but there's a closer word in the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament that I learned later, and it's to charge up, like you charge up a battery. And so each of these ministries are supposed to charge us up. And when I think back throughout all the years, you know, we've been in ministry for 30 years, 30 plus years now, there's been a lot of charging up. But the second aspect isn't just charging, but it's equipping. And we've had a lot of good hype, not a bad thing, a lot of good hype, a lot of good building, a lot of good charging, but very little equipping. We get mesmerized by men and women of God that move in the power, the anointing of the Spirit, and we get blessed, but we don't leave these four walls being able to do anything with it. How can I learn from them and actually be mentored and equipped by each of these ministries so that I can go out and reach the world? Because otherwise, we're simply building up a bigger audience, a bigger concert, a bigger show, and nothing wrong with concerts or shows, but it just remains in the four walls, and then we miss the mission of, the, of, the, of the, the Great Commission. So verse 13 is what really pierced me. And verse 13 says, expands on the goal of the fivefold ministry. It says in the NIV version, until we all reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the three, threefold goal is unity, intimacy, and maturity. This pierced me like someone stabbed me. I realized if I don't get edified and equipped by each of these ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, I'm never going to grow in God. And the one thing I wanted in my life, I want to grow in God. I want to be mature in God. I want to be intimate with God. I grew up seeing all kinds of religion and religiosity. And what captivated me and why I got saved at the age of 17 at that youth retreat was because of the intimacy that God had revealed himself to me. It was more than a religion. We say that it was a relationship, but I wanted that more to be just verbiage. I wanted to see that developed in my life. I wanted, to, I wanted it to become reality. And something about this passage just gave me almost like a, a Martin Luther experience when he read that verse, the just shall live by faith, and he went against all that the Roman Catholic Church had taught, and they excommunicated him. Now, that didn't happen to me. I didn't get excommunicated. However, there's a lot of churches even back this, and I'm talking when I went to Bible college, most of you weren't even born. We're talking like 1985, 86, when all these uh, are, things are happening. And so the result of the fivefold ministry is told to us in Ephesians 4.14, that as a result, we will no longer be children tossed fro here and there by every wind and carried by every wind of doctrine, every wave, by trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. So I said to myself, okay. So this is what I need to do. I need to be edified and equipped by each of these five ministries. So I said to myself, all right, I know how we're going to do this, all right? Um, I'm, I, I got a good church in the Bronx, right? And then I have a good church in San Antonio because I was in Bible college. And then I'm going to, so I got the church, right? I got my pastor down. 
right? Because I knew what the fivefold ministry was. I mean, everyone knows what that is, right? The pastor, he's the head of the church. The evangelist is the person that goes from church to church preaching until they like his preaching enough to hire him as a pastor somewhere. <laughs> Before church would start, at least in New York, we would arrive an hour early for Sunday school. So they had teachers, and now I'm in Bible college, and now I got some really good teachers. And then a prophet, well, I knew what a prophet was because, you see, when I grew up in church, um, whenever the, we got deep into praise and worship, we began to just ascend into his presence, and we, the spirit began to fall, and the anointing hit. You know the anointing hit when they began to get out of their seats and just dance uncontrollably? And some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but that, I, I grew up in old school there, old school Pentecostalism. And then our church had a balcony, and then you knew the spirit was about to fall when the balcony would begin to rumble. Like that. And the Hannah Banana Man came forth. The Hannah Banana Man would get up, would hold on to the railing, and he would begin to just scream in other tongues. I mean, the, and I knew what it was happening. The Holy Spirit jumped into his body, possessed him, and began to move his mouth. Because that's what I thought speaking in tongues was. And he began to say, ha na 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 ba na 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 ha na 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 ba na 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 And we all just bowed our heads in obedience. And we would just wait for him to continue with his Hannah Banana mantra until someone down in the front row, someone in leadership who was considered to be a prophet would get up and begin to interpret those tongues. And they had some weird equation, uh, T plus I equals P, that tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. I don't know where they got that equation from. I still haven't found it in my Bible, but that's what they taught. And so if the person did it consistently, what well, they prophesied on a regular basis, right, the Holy Spirit would possess them and move their mouth, and they would just interpret the tongues, we called them or labeled that man or that woman a prophet. So this is my ecclesiastical experience. This is my upbringing growing up in church. So I, when I read this, see, I come to the Bible uh, eisegetically. I come to the Bible having already decided and made up my mind what it means as opposed to coming to the Bible exegetically where you allow the word to speak to you. And so I, I brought my traditions with me. And Jesus said in Matthew 15, 60, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. In other words, I removed the power. I removed the anointing because of a tradition that was in my mind that did not line up with the scriptures. And so, and, and so but this was my, my understanding. And so then what happened is the church that I was a part of, and let me tell you how spiritual it was and how I chose this church. Um, I was in bed on a Sunday morning, and I was sleeping, and the president of the Bible college barges into my room, grabs the sheets, yanks it off of me, and says, what are you doing in bed? <laughs> sleeping? Trying to? You need to be in church. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I have a church in the Bronx, and I'm in Bible college five days a week, and we have chapel. No, you need to find a church. All right, so I, I, we were, it was mandated that we had to have a church. Now, of course, since I didn't have a car, we had to choose a church. There was three different churches that use our facilities, our, um, what do you, our chapel, because it was a brand-new facility. So I, I chose the one that simply best fit, best fit my hours. I don't want to get up too early. I like to sleep in. And I didn't want to go in the afternoon because it may interfere with my afternoon plans playing basketball. So I chose the one in the middle. So that's how spiritual it was. And it was a Spanish-American church. It was actually a, a Spanish church that their English department outgrew the Spanish department. And the pastor, who I'm still friends with today, Del Sanchez, was the pastor. And wonderful man of God. 
It was Assemblies of God Church, Templo Sinai, and tremendous worship, tremendous word. And then all of a sudden, and I always love the announcements. I still do. To this day, I love the announcements. I don't know what it is about announcements, but I love that time. And (laughs) they're giving these announcements, and they announce something that really got me offended. It really got me upset. They said, "Don't we're having in about two months the school of the prophets. And I said, that's blasphemy. <laughs> school of the prophets. You can't teach someone to prophesy. How ridiculous is that? I grew up in church. I know what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit comes down and in, possesses an individual and moves their mouth. <laughs> and they begin to prophesy. And that was my mindset. That was my mindset. And so Mike Bickle teaches how God will offend our minds to reveal our hearts. So I wound up attending this. And before I did, they began giving me some cassettes of the previous School of the Prophets because evidently they've been having them for a couple of years now. So I go to the School of the Prophets, and I'm introduced to these two characters. One of them is Augustine Alcala, and the other one is Bob Jones. So I'm 18 years old, and, and I go in, and they're teaching a class on dreams and visions, which I thought was like, that's really bizarre. They were talking about dreams as if there was actually a, a message from God that could be interpreted. I'm like, okay, I remember hearing, reading about Joseph doing that and Daniel, but this is really strange. They started talking about having angelic visitations, hearing the audible voice of the Lord, being translated and caught up into the third heavens, and having supernatural experiences. And at this point, I was a self-professed theologian. You know, I had read the Bible from cover to cover. I knew everything there was about God. And I was trying everything I could to refute everything they were saying, but everything they were saying was biblical. And it was almost like, you know, when you're a kid and they buy you those books and you open them up and they're 3D and it pops up. And that's what happened to me. And I, I realized the book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, the book of Revelation was coming to life. If these weren't just occurrences that happened to men and women of God in times past, but I realized that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he could do it then, that he was doing it now and will continue doing it. And so I was so infused with this because now I realized why God had captivated my heart during that personal time of meditation and the scripture, why Ephesians leaped up to me. I realized now, oh my God, if I got it wrong about the prophet, if it's more than just someone speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues, could I have been wrong about the pastor? Could I have been wrong about the teacher? Could I have been wrong about the evangelist? And the what is an apostle? Somebody said in the Greek it's a sent one, so they, they label all missionaries apostles. But if I send Niali to clean the bathrooms, that doesn't make her the apostle to the commode. So a sent one was just too uh, basic. I, there had to be something more to that. And so I found myself on a journey. I want to mature in God. I want to become more intimate with the son because he died on the cross for me. So I found myself running to church every Sunday, excited about being edified and equipped by pastors. I was in a tremendous Bible college Monday through Friday, eating up and consuming the word so I could be edified and equipped by teachers. Every six months, they would have these schools of the prophets at our church where Bob Jones and Augustine Alcala would come and would teach on the prophetic ministry. So I was going from church to college classroom, 
to conference, to the big crusades, to hear the big evangelist, Oral Roberts and Morris Sorello, and there was this new long-haired guy from Israel, Benny Hinn, that was coming around blowing on people. And I'll never forget, because the first time I saw him was not at OCC, but it was over at Gospel of New York. It was in San Antonio, Texas. And what are apostles? And I found myself going from, from classroom to church to conference to crusade and back and forth. And one day, I just was exhausted because my whole life was consumed with different types of services. And I prayed. I said, God, it would be so nice if we could have all these ministries in, in one church. And I said, I know that's probably not unrealistic. And then the next school of the prophets came, and I had become very good friends with the pastor's son. To this day, I still am. And he says, hey, listen, um, between services, why don't you come join us for lunch? I said, sure. So we go out and say, I'm not going to definitely want to jump on that. So we go to lunch, and they happen to sit me at Marie. So they happened to sit me right across Bob Jones at this old country restaurant that he used to love going to, Marie Callender's, because he loves Southern cooking. And we sit down there, and he looks at me. He goes, you know, you've been going weary from place to place seeking ministry. And you've even asked the Lord in your personal prayer time, wouldn't it be nice if all these ministries would come under one roof? And the Lord spoke to me. He, he said, the Lord, he says, Papa. He says, Papa spoke to me face to face. And, and this is what he said. He said, this is going to happen when he restores the papas back into the church. And this is during lunch. I mean, everybody else is exhausted from a whole week of service. But Bob Jones was like never tired. And he was just going on and on. And, and he says, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what, that's what God calls apostles. He calls them papas. He's restoring the fathers back into the ministry. Because there has been a release of ministry, children into the ministry without a father figure. And we talk about how that's affected society, but how about how it's affected the church? We've had a fatherless generation, not only in the natural, but in the spirit realm. And it made sense to me because I had had a dream about a month prior to that. And in this dream, I saw this woman giving birth, and I'm, it's almost like in a desert place. And I'm viewing it from the side, and, and excuse the graphics, but when she's... she's you know, she's doing the, the breathing, and all of a sudden, she gives birth, and the baby catapults from her womb. Catapults. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's going to and it, and it just drops. Wow. And then she's giving birth again. Well, she's having twins, and catapults another one, and another one. And I'm like, she's just giving birth. It's like just shooting these babies out, and they're landing in these obscure places, almost like desert with um, tumbleweed around. And, I, and all of a sudden, in the dream, my eyes zoom in on each of the babies, and all, each of them are wearing a clerical collar. And the dream ended. And the Lord spoke to me and gave me the interpretation. He says, there is a church that is birthing ministries that are fatherless. They're producing ministers, but they're leaving them out by themselves to fend for themselves. And it's a fatherless generation. And, I, and what will you do? And I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't know. And I had no idea that all of this was a part of it. And so Bob Jones said that when God would restore the papas back into the church, that there would be a movement where there would be a five-fold ministry coming back into the church, and it would bring the unity into the church, and it would bring intimacy with the bride, and it would bring maturity to those. Because you have people that have been in church 30, 40, 50 years, and they've been sitting under a pastor only. So they only have one-fifth of Christ. Or like at OCC, right? They call him Pastor Benny. We know he's no pastor under an evangelist, or under a teacher, or the people that simply go to prophetic conferences, and they've only had one-fifth of Christ. And so I, I found myself going from place 
to place. I said, God, teach me. How is this supposed to be? And he spoke to me out of Job 27, 11. And it says, I will teach you about the hand of God and what is with the Almighty I will not conceal. Now, I want to give a little disclaimer here. When I speak about these five specific giftings, this is not to demean any other function in the church. Okay? Paul made it very clear in 1 Corinthians 12. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you has a part in it. So every single one of us are called to ministry. And that's the whole purpose of the fivefold ministry. Without the fivefold ministry in place, edifying and equipping you, we become, we produce a group of spectators as opposed to participators. And we weren't called to come here and just sit here and enjoy the preaching and enjoy the worship, but we're called to be equipped by each of these five ministries to be in the presence of the Lord through praise and worship and to go out and win the loss. Even the classes we teach on Thursday, it isn't just about so you can learn about your dreams. I want you to go out and interpret dreams of those that are not saved. Joseph went to, the, to interpret the dreams of the baker and the butler. They weren't saved. He interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh. Or how about Daniel with Nebuchadnezzar? None of those people were in covenant with God. It's not about us. It's about the world. For God so loved the world. Okay? And that is the purpose and the goal of the fivefold ministry. So when he talks about the body of Christ and each of you are a part, he's using a metaphor. This is that. Metaphors. Okay? So we're going to use the metaphor because the hand of God represents the fivefold ministry of God. The hand is what you use to work. The hand is what you use. It provides function in the body. So that is anatomy and physiology. I retired three years ago now from the fire department. And in the state of Florida, very different from New York, you actually have to be an EMT or a paramedic to be a fireman. And the first class they teach you is A&P, anatomy and physiology. Anatomy is the study of body parts, right? Neck, arms, legs. Physiology is the function of those parts. When we look at the anatomy and physiology, we can learn, because the Bible says first comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. The spiritual things are not so difficult to understand if we simply understand natural things. We, it doesn't become spooky. Okay? So when we look at, for example, the hand of God, when I'm holding an object in my hand, okay, do you know what keeps this object balanced? It's the pinky. The pinky represents the teacher. It's a balance ministry. You guys awake? Okay. The ring finger is the pastor because the pastor is known to have a shepherd's heart. He cares for the sheep and for the flock. The middle finger is the evangelist. It's the longest finger, and it represents outreach. I know we want to have one person that can just go do it all, but the true mission of an evangelist is to edify and equip you so that a whole team goes out, not just one person. And so, for example, me and, and, and PG and PL and PK, all the P's, right? And, and Darren, Darren Armstrong back there, wave Darren. We all come from the same ministry that we were edified by a tremendous evangelist, but we didn't leave equipped. Wow. 
and I'm not dogging anybody from the past. I'm just saying now we need to move further, now that we have further understanding. The pointer finger is the prophet because it brings direction to the church. And the apostle is in touch with them all. It doesn't mean that he's a superstar, okay? He's like a general practitioner. They can see you about everything, but they'll have to send you to a specialist for something deeper. And so the thumb represents the apostle, but the thumb also provides covering for the fingers when you make a fist. Also, when you study the physiology of the thumb, the thumb comes from the opposite direction of the fingers. So what it does, it, it provides power to the hand. And whenever you look at the apostles in the book of Acts, it says they moved in great power in miracles, signs, and wonders. So it's a power ministry. It provides grip strength for the hand. So it would take, and we probably will do it in the future, a separate class, maybe on, during the week, for each of these ministries to break it down. But I need to simply define it and just give you ABCs and one, two, three, so you could understand what God has desired to do in this church is nothing new. Okay? Another way that it's been taught is what's called the five G's, right? The, the teacher grounds. It grounds you in the word of God. The pastor guards. It guards the flock. The evangelist gathers into the kingdom of God. The prophet guides and the apostle governs. These are the five G's. You guys doing Okay. So I want to show you something, and then I'm going to wrap up with this, because this is my last point. I got 10, 15 minutes? Okay, cool. <laughs> you give me five more? No, I'm not rushing this. I'm, more con I'm not concerned about time, really. I'm really concerned about you being able to get this in you. And if you don't understand, I promise you, the spirit is being impregnated with the word of God. And understanding will come later. As you seek God, the Holy Spirit, who's your teacher, will lead you into all truth and will pour water on that seed and it will grow. And you will come to understand that. And so when, when I was reading Ephesians, and especially when I began to study the character of Paul, Paul was a very... Um, sarcastic individual. He was very Spartan-like. He was very rough. Uh, that was his character. So when I went back to study Ephesians, and I'm reading this, verse 7, but to each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. All right, that's Paul speaking. But when he gets into verse 8, therefore, it says, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive, he gave gifts unto men. That was poetic. and that didn't I didn't understand why he would shift like that because that wasn't his... His, uh, his character. And then I realized and I found out in my studies that that verse is a direct quote from Psalm 68. And in Psalm 68, 18, it says, Therefore, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men, yea, amongst the rebellious also, that the Lord God may dwell among men. But for some reason, instead of Paul saying that the Lord God may dwell among men, he defines it as he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. And so the fivefold ministry collectively is the full, because Jesus had the spirit without measure. Ephesians 4, 7 says, but unto each one of us is given the spirit according to the measure, a fragment of Christ's full anointing. So let me give you a picture of what that looks like. The story of Elijah and Elijah. I'm not going to get into the full story. Elijah goes, hey, listen, I'm out of here. You know, and Elijah's like, hey, whatever you go, I'm going. That's all there is to it. I'm not letting you go. And he goes, well, what is it you want? I want a double portion. Well, have you seen me before I go? So you know the story. Next thing you know, the chariots of fire come, and they take Elijah, and he's removed, and he's taken up. And do you remember what falls? 
his mantle falls. And when he picks up the mantle, right, he has a double portion of Elijah's anointing, okay? In the same spirit, when Jesus Christ ascended upon high and he led his captivity captive, he leaves gifts unto men, he takes his mantle and breaks it into five. Jesus said in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. He is the bread of life. And when he teaches us about communion, he takes the bread, he breaks it, and he blesses it. Jesus, who is the bread of life, breaks it and blesses it. I want you to hear that because unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you have no part in him. So understand that when it comes to the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6, verse 38, it says... And he said to them, Jesus speaking to his disciples, how many loaves do you have? Go and look. And when they found out, they said five loaves of bread. And they all ate and were satisfied. Jesus Christ is the bread of life. He has broken his mantle. Whoa. He has broken his mantle into five parts. And he is still feeding the masses today. And this is what God desires to do. So we don't go out trying to show our personality. We don't go out trying to show people how smart we are. We go with Jesus. We go with the fragment of Jesus that Christ has put upon us. We may not have all of it, but if we bring the whole fivefold ministry together, then we have the fullness of the ministry and the anointing. The reason why the world isn't one is because we're not presenting the fullness of Christ. Do it here, Lord. I want you to all stand. Stand with me. What's more important, Jesus or Jesus? Can you really answer that question? But I really want you to understand that question because we've come to personify and elevate certain, mystery, certain ministries as if one is more important than the other. And we think the apostle is more important than the pastor. We think the prophet is more important than the evangelist. We think the evangelist is more important than the teacher. When we, once we understand that each of these fivefold ministries is a fifth of the wholeness of Christ, then we understand that these fivefold ministries are equal. They are equal in their authority and their anointing because they're all emanate. The fingers come from the palm. The Bible says we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. I have been on a mission for quite some time. It says of Abraham in Hebrews 11.10. It says that Abraham searched for a city which had foundations, whose builder and architect was God. And I've been in search for a group and a company of people who are looking to establish a foundation of apostles and prophets being the foundation whose builder and architect is God. There, we, we've been in so many ministries, and, I, and I'm not criticizing because, hey, they're doing it to the best. You know, they, there's people that want to criticize, people that don't believe in the prophetic, but Bob Jones was told by the Lord, if you had a child that was blind, wouldn't you extend more grace? Wow. Wow. And he came out of the Baptist church. And so we have to extend our grace to the, to the churches that may not receive this, and that's fine. But as for me and my house, we want to see God, and we want everything God has to offer. I'm not satisfied with church as usual. I grew up in church. I don't have any weird, wild testimonies of stuff I've done in the past, although I've made many mistakes. But I want not just part of Christ. I want all of Christ. And when he ascended upon high, 
the one thing he did was he took his anointing and said, this is too much for one person. I'm going to break it in five, and I'm going to feed the multitude. And he's still feeding the multitude today. I want you to bow your heads. And there's perhaps, you know, you may not be called to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, or you may. But you're, you're, you are called to a greater level of intimacy. You are called to mature in Christ. You are called to come into unity. And I'm telling you, the answer is with Jesus. And that's not just a cliche. It's not just Jesus and the way we want to do it. It's Jesus and the manner that he showed us how it's supposed to be done. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me. And Jesus, who is the bread of life, has broken himself in five parts. And he doesn't want to just edify and build you up, but he wants to equip you. Equip you so you can do the work of the ministry. PG. If you have a tug in your heart, perhaps you want to hear God further. It doesn't mean you're necessarily called to the prophetic. But you want to hear God further, whether it be in visions or dreams or still small voice, I want you to come to the front. If you have compassion for those that are sick and you hate what's happening to people around you, you want to see people that are bound to be set free. You want to be able to lay hands on the sick and heal the sick, I want you to come forth. If you see people that, if you know people and family and friends that are bound in tradition and religiosity and you want God to be able to just give you the understanding to be able to show them what the scriptures really say so that the, the truth will set them free because truth is not facts truth is a person and his name is Jesus you may be called to the fivefold you may be not be called to the fivefold but I'm telling you we're all called to be edified and equipped we're all called to partake of his spirit Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.